On this episode of Resi Week, Giles Sutton is hired as Cedia External Engagement. USB-C is the one wire for VR. Government investigations for smart TVs and renovation spending is expected to be up 7%. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 129, Dear Senator. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED. Innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by Crestron. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt T. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by a longtime friend of mine. It is Todd Puma. He is the president of the Source Home Theater. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you for asking, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us again. It's been a while. It's been it a minute. It's been a while. I missed you guys. I know. It's been a long time of cuddling. That I missed you too. Missed you too. And last but not least, I'm joined by my constant, it seems, uh, partner in crime right now, uh, Tim Albright. He's the founder of Aviation. How are you doing, buddy? It sounded like a complaint. No. No, totally sounded like a complaint. I'm no, sir. How are you? I always love having you on. You're a, you're a blast and a treasure. You're a national treasure. Wow. Yeah. You didn't say which nation though. Nope. Nope. It's you. Got. <laughs> <laughs> and we've lost the show. All right. Mm. Uh, we're going to start this off with a, a wonderful piece of news. This uh, just came out from CE pro. It'll be up on our website a little bit later uh, in the day. Once, Everything else comes out. Giles Sutton of James and Giles is taking over and has accepted a position with Cedia as the Senior Vice President of Industry Engagement. Uh, this is big news for both Giles and Cedia, uh, as this is something that you know Cedia has been looking for. Uh, th- this job search has been going on for a while, and uh, they're very happy to announce uh, that Giles is joining them to continue. Uh, the company's outreach efforts uh, and and ex- expanding and, and executing their strategic plan. Uh, full disclosure, I know Giles pretty well. We have both served on the board of Cedia together and uh, congratulations to him. Very excited to see what he does within the industry and, and how he continues to help Cedia as an industry move forward. Real quickly, he is though leaving the, the Cedia board as well. As yes, he is. Yes, he's, he's, he's stepping down. Uh, I believe that's already happened. Uh, and he's, he's taking this new position, which is going to hopefully involve him visiting a lot of us, uh, as he travels around to, uh, work on engagement and all those fun things. Let's, uh, continue the CE pro trend and, uh, talk about a story that was released just a couple of days ago from Julie Jacobson as she was flying over to, uh, Barcelona for the ISC announcement. I'm not mentioning what happened while she was there. Uh, you can read that for yourself if you follow her feed. Uh, move over HD base T. The VR industry has embraced USB-C for one wire technology. Essentially, uh, what's going on is the VR industry has been searching for that, that holy grail of a single wire that allows you to use their headsets and their, their microphones and, and the whole headset apparatus that comes with VR with a single cable. They had been working with HD base T to produce uh, a solution for this, but at last it seems 
that it had some uh, issues uh, supporting the high resolution, uh, the high video resolution and frame rates that VR really needs. Uh, so they have gone another route and it looks like they have jumped on the USB-C bandwagon. Todd, this obviously is not directly within our, our channel or our industry yet uh, as far as the, the VR side of things. But it's an interesting viewpoint on the, on the fact that, you know, something that we within the industry have always looked for is that one cable, single cable to a TV that does everything we need. Um, HTBAC is one of those technologies that a lot of times you're going to use for that. The VR group has, has found that uh, USB-C is doing this better. What does this mean or, or what, do, what potential is there for this to arrive in the residential channel? Every, it seems like everything is a trickle-down effect or trickle-up effect, whatever you want to consider the commercial market versus the residential market. But I believe that this is going to hit us sooner than later, especially with the VR technology becoming more of like an Alexa voice control and uh, kind of request from our customers. But with technology streaming and audio coming to it a lot faster, of course, we're going to want to, you know, get involved in that. But we have fiber, right? Mm fiber has been one of those cables that we're kind of been using, but not been using as much as we should. And Cat6 has been doing the job, but it's one of those other options that we're going to give to our clients that they could have to build a better solution to get them the best resolutions and also future-proof them for you know future products coming out you know later on in the years. Very good, Tim. Todd t- touched on an interesting aspect of it, which is fiber. They there, there's no mention in the article that they had tested fiber. I would like to think that they had. Is this something where? you know, fiber may have just priced itself out from a durability standpoint. And also, how, how surprised are you that it seems that HDBase-T wasn't able to produce the type of frame rates and resolutions that VR is looking for? Uh, well, I guess first question first. I, I, fiber has historically been incredibly expensive, uh, especially when you can put it up against Cat5. However, those prices have come down drastically in the last two to three years. Uh, the other knock against fiber has also been historically that it's, it's difficult to terminate, uh, especially in the field. A number of companies have come out with, with solutions that address that. Um, Corning has a solution. I know that uh, Belden also has a solution that they released, not this past Infocom, but Infocom before last. Uh, that's basically, you just, you just click it. Basically, there's no cleaving, there's no um, polishing, there's no anything. You just put, a, put the, the, the fiber in, you put the connector in, and, you get to, and you're good to go. Uh, I am, though, surprised that HDBST wasn't uh, able to, to come up with a solution. And it may not be, it may not be, you know, due to HDBST's failure as it is the uh, success of USB-C. Uh, understand what, what that is. I mean, the, their, the adoption rate of that is much faster, at least it appears to be, um, than USB 2.0. And mm-hmm. some of the, the reason for that is because of, of the higher power uh, rates. Some of it also be because of the higher uh, frame rate uh, transports. The other thing is, is you've got companies like Apple and you have companies like uh, the PC manufacturers who have jumped on board in this and go, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. We don't have to have, you know, VGA or HDMI or anything else. We can do, you know, video and audio and power and all this stuff over a single cable and so the, the, the technology, the resources started going to USB USB C because the, the computer manufacturer was like, oh, hey, this is awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 uh, I guess the, from a, you know, a media standpoint, the audience was there. So the technology was like, okay, let's, let's, let's kind of start, start drilling down into that. And so you've got, you know, uh, phone manufacturers now, and you have some of the, uh, the car manufacturers who are adding USB C, uh, to their connectivity. And so you've got this, this groundswell. And I see this to Todd's point is pushing into residential and eventually in, into commercial as well where USB-C is going to be um, a very viable and, and it's going to start a very viable um, a transport for folks, not just in, in computers, but also in, uh, in our conference rooms and our boardrooms and in our living rooms where folks are wanting to connect, you know, these devices to displays and to VR. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from strategy.com. Senators are calling for a government investigation of the smart TV industry. This is uh, written by our good friend, Ted Green. This is something that we we looked at last week and uh, we just, we ran out of time for it. Uh, But it was a story in the New York Times that came out about Samba TV, which is a a built-in smart TV platform that seems to be uh, tracking users uh, as far as what what they're viewing, what they're watching, what they're streaming. And uh, maybe not disclosing how they're using that that data as well as they should. Uh, so this past week, two U.S. senators uh, from Massachusetts and Connecticut sent a letter to the chairman of the FTC, uh, raising concerns about consumer privacy uh, with the smart with smart TV technology, specifically asking that federal regulators investigate the business practices of smart television manufacturers whom they believe are tracking consumers, viewing behavior without their knowledge. Tim, Ted gets into a, a, lot, a lot of stuff on this as far as you know, how deliberately confusing opt-in wording is on those end-user agreements, which is fairly standard in every piece of electronics you own, uh, that they're you know, really using it as an advertising technology base point, as well as how uh, the Samba TV is, is seem, seems to be tracking literally everything you're doing on that TV. One, when we start to look at this, obviously so, it seems that some government oversight is needed, but do we really expect that the government is going to be capable of providing proper oversight given some of the things that have been going on within the government recently, as well as, dare I just point to the, the entire Facebook debacle? You mean the fact that there was no government oversight on that? Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Even just listening to those, those committee meetings. Oh yes. With, those, those with, with Zuck. Yeah. Looking, looking at those. How I'm do not you make sure money again? How do you, how do you, how, <laughs> now let me understand this. I, I've got, Senator, I, we sell I, ads. I've, I've got, I've, I'm on the Facebook and, and my son sends me a, a, a like. God love our our, sen- our, our Congress people and our, our senators. Um, they've got about as much business doing this as they do, you know, you never mind. There's a political statement that I probably shouldn't make. Um, probably not. They are very, they're hamstrung, right? They don't understand the technology. They don't understand where uh, these companies, how, are these, how these companies are making money, nor how they're tracking us. Um, if, just like us, they don't read the EULAs, the user uh, license agreement, then they, they, we, you know, they're, they're probably as, as stuck as we are, and I'm not sure that they could actually, uh, a majority of them, uh, make sense of them. 
even though a good majority of them are lawyers. Um, this company is not doing anything any different than Amazon uh, if you're if you're on Amazon Prime or, or Netflix, if you're using Netflix or any other media platform like that. So I don't understand the consternation unless it is in the light of the Facebook debacle. Then I get it, right? Should they be doing it? Yeah, it, it, you know, the, it, government oversight when it comes to protecting consumers is probably never really a bad idea. Having the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, not the FCC, but the Federal Trade Commission looking mm -hmm. at this actually makes me a little bit more comfortable than having the FCC look at it because uh, I've, I've lost a lot of confidence in the FCC in the last year and I've made those, those views widely known that I do not agree uh, with the FCC's current stance on net neutrality. Uh, I don't know they ever will. So I, I have more confidence in the FTC looking at this than I do the, the Federal Communications Commission. Um, figuring out and, and putting some constraints on what what cust what companies can do with the information that they gather from us you now probably not a bad thing um, but again if you're if you're if you're already buying this and you are agreeing to the the user license the the, the end user agreement then you kind of know what you're getting into you understand that these companies are, are tracking the apps that you're using and, and how often you're using them and, and what you're watching um, I mentioned Amazon and, and Netflix. They're both you know, cataloging what you're watching and what your most you know, favorite show is, much like Nielsen did and still does um, way back in the, you know, the last, good Lord, 30 or 40 uh, years. Um, so I, I don't really understand the, the, in my opinion, knee-jerk reaction to, oh my gosh, they're, they're tracking what you're doing. Well, of course they're tracking what you're doing. Um, and it just comes down to making sure that you understand what you're getting into from a consumer standpoint, as well as a dealer standpoint, you understand and you relay that information, you relay the, the pros and cons of using specific smart TVs like this to your clients. And, and Todd, uh, Tim brings up a really good point there with, you know, explaining this to your clients, how much of an own, how much of the onus is on, the home technology professional, uh, the integrator to explain this to your client, because the, the question I have is your client has a, a decent car, probably has a navigation system. They're tracking that data. They probably have a smartphone. That data is being tracked. They're probably on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever else, maybe Tinder. Um, they're tracking that it, pretty much if you're if you're a member or a part of any sort of technology group online where you're consuming data or information of some form it's being tracked how much of an onus is it be is it on the integrator to explain that to your client when you sell them an apple tv or a roku or you know some form of streaming device and does it have to go beyond a just so you know when you sign up for the eula they're going to track you. It, it hasn't been something that I've been discussing with my customers because most of them are aware of what's going on in the news since, you know, half of them are hedge fund guys or dealing with money every day. So they're always tracking what's happening in our market. The only thing I do make customers aware of is the Amazon Echo, how it does record a conversation while you're asking for a command uh, because that can be recorded back and played back and just want to make them fully aware of that, that someone else can listen to it who is also attached to that account. And that's only been the only uh, place that I touch base on. But with this whole thing that's going on, it's all about making a better user experience for the client. 
you know, what they're doing is it's not only on the negative end, like, you know, uh, it stated in this article, it's also on the positive end that it does help you if you forget things. I forget everything now that's going on. So I see something that's popped up on my Facebook page or another page I'm going on. It shows me an ad of, oh, yes, I need to purchase that tool. I remember now. And there's been other experiences like with recommended shows on Apple TV that it's been benefiting me and helping us kind of finding a, a, a niche of what we uh, like to go for in our movies and music listening. So, cool. go ahead. And that's, that's the balance, right? Right. Is we, we like that because when I, when I'm on my Apple music, you know, device on my iPhone, it, it, it tailors the new music to the three or four genres that I really like. I don't have to sit there and, and wait and, and search for it, but how, how much is that benefit versus, you know, concern? How much of that is something that you actually see your clients concerned about? Really, the concern is I'm I'm not too concerned about everything that's occurring, like on this political side of the end, because the customers are coming to us for a user experience. They're coming to us so they can relax after a long day of stress, that they could take it back and just kind of chill for a moment, and you know use their equipment that they spent all this money on. They the little you know legalisms and all that is if we bring it up. Yes, now based on this conversation that we're having, yeah, I'll put it in paperwork just so the customers can sign off on it. And I will bring it up as a, a bullet point uh, for discussion just in case that it does come back to us legally. But for the whole user experiences, I'm on the other edge of this. I'm on the positive end of what this is going to do for us and bring to us. Very good. And, you know, it, it's really the key of you're not going to get that experience if you don't agree to that EULA. Well, that's the thing is, is, you know, you guys have to protect yourselves as, as you know, your companies and your families, but that's the, that, that is the conversation, right? You want to, you make them aware that, you know, these TVs, these apps, these whatever, they're tracking your use. And the reason they're doing that to Todd's point on the positive side, they're doing that to give you a better experience. Mm -hmm. They understand that they understand that going in that you guys are, are actually doing a service by you know giving them a, a kind of a, a cliff notes version of the EULA of, of the the uh, the user license agreement and you are helping them make that decision if they choose not to then they choose not to and they choose not to have that experience however i'm going to guess that that probably 90 to 95 percent of your clients are going to go oh yeah absolutely you know and and do what they would have done anyway which is just click i agree well <laughs> the thing is our customers also we're building fear is when you're bringing up things like this, you're actually taking away from the joy of the experience of offering what we offer to them. Uh, and to take off that edge, we're going right into business and then we're going into more business. And then we're going into, hey, by the way, you're being kind of spied on by everybody in the government as well as everybody. I love that phrase. You're kind of being spied on by everyone in the government. You're, yeah. you're, you're, but it's how you, it's how you position it, right? Just oh, like with any other sales process. It's, it's how you position. It's how you say it. it's like, look, you, you're being tracked and you can even say it. you're being tracked just like you are when you, when you open up Spotify, right. Or, or you use another app that is again, in case you didn't look at the, at the, the license agreement, they're tracking your usage too. This is the same way. It, it, you you can you can spin it or you can put it however you want it. But I guess it, it, it's kind of on you guys how how you present it to them uh, in the best positive light or in the worst positive light. Depends on how you feel about it. Yeah, it, it, it's funny you bring it up, Tim. I went through this with a client probably probably about a year ago, and they were a IP intellectual property lawyer, and we're <laughs> we're sitting in their gym uh, that they just had renoed in their basement. 
and there's a there's a 55 something on the wall and we're going through the setup and she was right on top of on top of us the entire time we're doing it and it you know very quickly popped up with the eula and she's like okay i gotta read this I'm like okay so we went and did something else as she scrolls through the 15 screens of the eula and i, I come back in and she's like well i'm really concerned about this <laughs> oh, okay what would you like to do she's like well i need netflix I'm like okay so we can get you an Apple TV and, you know, we'll have to put it behind the, the screen and everything else, or you can, you know, use it built into the TV. She's like, well, I have to agree to the EULA then. I'm like, yes. She's like, but will they track me? I'm like, probably, but they'll track you using Netflix anyways. Huh. Okay. Click. <laughs> and we had this big, huge, you know, not, not huge, but we had a five minute discussion over how scared she was of this EULA. And then at the end of the day, she wanted Netflix. So she didn't really care. And that's the kicker. All right, gentlemen, let's grab our last story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro and Jason Not Home remodeling spending is expected to grow 7% in 2019. Uh, essentially, home remodeling spending is expected to reach $346 billion in Q2 of 2019, up 20% from two years ago. Uh, Todd, I want to start with you on this one. These are, um, you know, KPI key leading key leading indicators uh, of of any industry, but specifically in this one, remodeling activity. And you know, we like to sit back and say, "Ooh, this is great for us. This is fantastic. More people are renovating. We can sell home technology to those people as they're renovating." And even according to the data that comes to us from the NAHB, which is the National Association of Home Builders, they're expecting 7 to 12% of new home construction to be devoted to electronics. Todd, is this something as an integrator you can look at and go, uh, I don't know, maybe something to the effect of, hey, we're going to ramp up, we're going to try and bring on some new staff or modify our marketing because we see these leading indicators coming that, you know, uh, home renovations are going to be stronger this year. Do you put any stock in this kind of data as far as the day-to-day or, or, or future planning of your business? For myself, I go by how the market is leading me for my company. I also go by the pulse of the other integrators in this uh, market as well. Um, you could tell when the industry is growing in this area uh, based upon how many integrators are moving. My pulse to everything that's going on is my reps. I always speak to my reps. I ask them questions on how the other integrators are doing. Also, productivity, what's happening in the market. With this information, the only thing I would use it for is if I was trying to overcome an objection from a builder or an architect, I would show them this and say, look, this is what you're not offering. Here's what's happening. And it's, it's your builders. This is your end of things. This is what you should be putting in your homes. And they would take that into consideration. But for myself and what I'm going to be doing, I'm not going to change the way I'm doing things just because this is telling me that they got these numbers from wherever it may be that's telling them that it's going to grow this percentage. I want to feel it. I want to see it. And I want the rest of my integrators to tell me that this is actually happening. Very good. Tim, I want to, I'm not going to take issue with this, but I I want to ask you this based on, oh, I'm going to. But I've got to preface it because Jason is a good friend of mine. I don't want him to feel like I'm attacking him. And I'm not. I'm attacking the National Association of Home Builders. Uh, (laughs) But specifically in this article, he quotes them and says that 
they're expecting between 7 to 12% of new home construction will be devoted to electronics. Further, that those percentages will carry over for remodeling spending, meaning that homeowners will spend between $4.6 billion and $38.8 billion on electronics as part of remodeling projects for existing homes between July and October of 2018. $38 billion is an awful lot of flat screens. It's an awful lot of Sonos boxes. It's an awful lot of, heck, top-end, fully automated theaters. When I look at this number, uh, not, not the dollar amount, but that, that percentage of 7 to 12%, I have a really hard time looking you know, down the street from me and seeing homes being built that are $500,000 homes up to a million dollar homes and saying 10% of that million dollars is not electronics. Where is this type of number coming from? What is being grouped into electronics here? So let, let's take a step back and look at the CDA Expo show floor. Um, what is being shown there? Uh, and yes, there are flat screens, absolutely. And there are control and automation platforms, absolutely. But there are also shades. There's also lighting. Um, there are uh, most likely, if not this year, then next year, there will be some sort of smart appliances on the, the CDA show floor. Um, so you take all of those things into consideration. I would give them probably the eight to nine, maybe 10% because of all of those other devices and, and forms of automation. And then this is not even getting into solar and not even getting into, you know, um, battery backups and, and generation generators and stuff like that. So you consider everything that a, 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 um, residential integrator um, can do and, and sometimes is expected to do. Yeah, I mean, you, there's, there's a lot in there. I mean, shades are not cheap. L lighting systems are not cheap. Um, uh, control systems aren't overly expensive, but they're also not, not cheap. So yeah, you could, you could quickly get to the nine, maybe 10%. Very good. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, that's all the time we have. Todd, if people want to connect with you, learn more about the Source Home Theater, where can they do that? You could contact me on Twitter at the source HTI, or you could get in touch with me at Todd at the source home theater.com. Very good. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining us again and bringing your deep, vast uh, knowledge to our residential show. Uh, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Uh, probably the best place is, is <laughs> Twitter um, at TD Tim David Albright on the Twitters. Beautiful. Thanks again for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to find me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.